Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for that. I was hoping you would catch on. Uh, Appreciate that. If you're new here, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors, and we're so glad that you're joining with us today. We're going to open God's Word, the Bible now, and we're going to study it, but I just wanted you to know who I am. And if you don't have a regular church that you go to, we would love for you to come back and join us here each week. You may have noticed during the announcements, if you were here to see those, that we are launching into a new series in a couple of weeks, starting January 6th, called And Rejoicing. And it's how to find the joy in difficult circumstances. It's going to be a book of the Bible study through Philippians. So if you want to join us for that, we'll have eight weeks. We're going to dive into Philippians together, talk about how we can find joy in difficult circumstances, and no matter what we're doing, be rejoicing in the midst of that. It is possible, and we're going to learn how to do that. And of course, tomorrow night, we hope you'll join us for our Christmas Eve service. It's at 6.30. It's all going to be themed around light of the world. So the series that we're in right now the light of the world. Everything tomorrow is going to focus on that. It's really, really special. I hope you'll join us. We've got some neat music, uh, some special videos to show you as well, and uh, some teaching that'll probably be so-so because it's just me tomorrow, but hopefully you'll come out anyway and we'll get to enjoy each other's company and celebrate Jesus coming to this earth. Also, after that, we'll get together for some cocoa and cookies and just hang out over in the activity center. So be sure you join us tomorrow. Well, we are in week four of this series called Light of the World. And we are talking about Jesus coming to this earth, which is what we do every time this time of year comes around. Only we're doing it a little bit differently this year. Instead of doing it from the perspective of the nativity and the baby in the manger and the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and all of that stuff, we're looking at this from a much bigger picture perspective. We're kind of zooming out the lens and looking at it from more of a cosmic perspective. We're asking questions like, okay, so who is this Jesus that came here anyway? And what was he like to begin with? And what, what, what is his essence? What does he exist as? What are his attributes? And why did he come here? And what kind of an impact does that have for you and me today? Until now, our focus has been mostly on Jesus as the light of the world. John says he's the light of the world. Jesus says he's the light of the world. And when and where Jesus does that, We talked last week about how that brings out some incredible symbolism that would have been very conscious in the minds of the Jewish people listening to Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Because what that meant was very important. Light represented to them God's truth, God's guidance, and God's salvation. We looked at that last week, how Jesus claiming to be the light of the world in the middle of this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, had incredible symbolism for them to see that. And so that's important for us today, but today we're going to reach a bit of a turning point here because we've been looking at Jesus and now we're going to see that Jesus is going to sort of turn that around on his followers. So he's the light of the world. What does that make them? If you've got a Bible with you, you can open up to Matthew chapter five. Of course, you can use the YouVersion Bible app. You'll find us there on our first free church in the events area, or you can go to efree.org slash Bible. You'll find a link to the same exact content if you don't want to load the app. The issue that I want to talk with you about this morning is pretending to be something you are not. Pretending to be something you are not. 
So I'm curious, since this is a service that's a little different than normal, we don't have kid connection going on, are there any kids in the service right now? Any parents that dared to bring, good job guys, that dared to bring, who counts yourself a kid? All right, I see some way too old hands out there. We've got some kids here, we've got some people that are kids at heart, so that's good. Kids, do you ever like to pretend to be something you're not? Like, do you ever pretend to be a police officer? Does anybody pretend to be a police officer? Or a, yeah, or a fireman? Anybody pretend to be a fireman or an astronaut? Or maybe pretend to be a, I don't know, a ballet dancer, different things like that. My kids love to pretend to be things that they're not. They pretend to be lions. They pretend to be cats. They pretend to be dogs. They pretend to be cats that somehow turn into dogs. I don't know the rules, but they like to pretend. And pretending is fun. When it's playtime, it's great to be able to pretend. But we all know there's a time that comes when we have to stop pretending and just sort of be the real us, right? We have to just go back to being who we really are. And by the way, kids, you should know that sometimes adults to pretend to be something they're not too. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Some of us pretend to be wealthier than we are, right? We find our identity wrapped up and the things that we have. And we want to have nice things. And sooner or later we find out that we have more nice things than we have money to pay for them. And so we might pretend to be wealthier than we are. Some of us pretend to be more successful than we really are. And so we go to great lengths to talk up how great we are at business or, or this other thing that we do or this position that we have or this stuff that we used to do in the, the past. And we want people to know how important we are. Some people pretend to be um, happier than they are. With their marriage. You know, maybe they project a very happy marriage and yet at home things aren't really going so great right now. Or to have better relationships with their kids than they really do. And maybe they don't really get along, but, but we pretend like, oh yes, everything's good, especially today, right? I mean, everybody got a little dressed up more than normal today, right? You know, and you bring the family and it's like, we're all happy, we love each other until lunch. Some of us project to have stronger relationships with God than we do and to our own detriment we pretend like yeah I've got a strong faith and things are going great when really our lives are full of doubts and we would be much better served if we were just honest with that with people and let them rally around us and and help us through that and so we pretend to be things that we are not we do a lot of that and this morning that is our topic pretending to be something we're not We've talked the last few weeks about the identity of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the identity of you and what you really are. So here's the setting for our text today. We're in Matthew chapter 5. Our key verses are 14 through 16, but I want to show you verse 1. So if you're in Matthew 5, look at verse 1 and read it with me here. One day, as he, Jesus, saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Now, what he began to teach them is something we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is this three-chapter-long topical message. Very long, lots of different things. It covers um, all kinds of stuff. It covers teaching about anger. uh, Jesus teaches about being faithful in your marriage, keeping your promises. He teaches about loving people that you don't like or who don't like you about being generous to other people and and lots, lots more. And before he gets into that, teaching how we should live our lives, he talks about the types of people who are happy. And he said, blessed are those who mourn and blessed are those who are persecuted and all these different blessed, we call those the Beatitudes. 
So we have the Beatitudes, we have all these instructions about how to live here in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're not going to get too much into those for the Beatitudes. We're going to do a series on the Beatitudes later this year, which I'm really looking forward to. But sandwiched between those Beatitudes, the blesseds, and the how you should live your life and instructions for Jesus' followers, there's this little segment where he talks a bit about their identity. And that's where we want to focus in on today. He says this in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you four life-changing truths that we can glean from this text. And I don't say that lightly. I really believe that if you will internalize these truths and absorb them into your life, and if you will wake up with them every morning, and if you will orient your life around this, that it's going to change everything for you. It's going to change the way you talk with people. It's going to change the way you interact with your friends. It's going to change your relationships with your family members. It's going to change your marriage. If these truths will become a part of who you are and your identity will shine through them, it might even change the things you write about online. This has incredible power. Four life-changing truths that we need to internalize and live out as followers of Jesus. Here's truth number one. Truth number one, light isn't what you do, it's who you are. Light isn't what you do, it's who you are. Jesus says you are the light of the world. Now it's really important for us to understand here and just kind of pause and clarify that Jesus is not speaking to the masses. Verse one tells us that as the crowds were gathering, the disciples gathered close around Jesus and he taught them. That them refers to the disciples. That's who Jesus was teaching, his followers. Not just the 12, but all of his disciples who were there at the time. The crowds were there listening and later on he speaks to the crowds at the end of his message. But right here, he's talking to his followers, people who have signed on to his movement. And he is saying to them, you are the light of the world. And what's amazing about that statement is that Jesus doesn't say, hey, listen up, followers, I want you to do lots of light things. I want you to walk in the light. I want you to live in the light. No, he says, you are the light. You are the light. That is that is so profound. You've got to hold on to that. And the reason why I think that is so important is because so many of us if we were really honest, don't really believe it. We're so discouraged. We're floating through life, distracted by all sorts of things, finding our identity wrapped up in all sorts of other things. You may be frustrated because you're not sure if God is really pleased with you, so you try to do lots of good things so he'll be pleased with you. Or you may think that he doesn't love you as much as you want him to, or he certainly doesn't love you as much as that other person that, you know, you see their Instagram feed and there's all kinds of cool things they get to do and your life doesn't look anything like that. Your life might be wrapped up 
in your school, getting good grades, could be wrapped up in relationships, trying to find the right person to marry, could be wrapped up in your career, but there's all these other things that identify our life, and we don't really find our identity as we are the light of the world. We're going to talk about what that means in a little bit, but I'm not sure if, if many of us really believe that, that our identity is as the light of the world. And I want to unpack that and explain what that means. You are the light of the world. Light isn't just what you do, it's who you are. Part of what that means is that in God's eyes, you are not defined by your mistakes. You are not defined by your weaknesses or your career or your successes, or your family, or where you grew up, or where you live now, or where you went to high school, or any of that stuff, you are not defined by that. God says, Jesus says, you are, this is your identity, you are the light of the world. That's pretty amazing. Because who else have we been talking about now for weeks? Got that title, that identity, that honor, that privilege of You are the light of the world. Jesus. Jesus has been called the light of the world. And now Jesus is saying, that's you too. And so here's a profound thought to think about. You are the continuation of Jesus' ministry on this earth. Think about that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is talking to his followers. He's saying, I am the light of the world and you now are the light of the world. And you in this room and watching online, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a continuation trickling down through the centuries of that ministry of being the light of the world. That's an incredible identity. That's incredible purpose in life. There's no reason for us to get wrapped up in all sorts of other things as our core identity. Jesus says you are the light of the world, but that carries some special meaning with it. Here's why that's so important. This is truth number two. Light means that you represent God's truth, his guidance, and his salvation in this world. That's what light meant to the people of Israel. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world. This is the significance of that. We talked about that last week, and now he's saying, you are the light of the world too. That means you also represent truth and guidance and salvation of God to people in this world. That's so amazing. You are the light of the world. Now, I wanna do a little exercise. Some of you are taking notes, which is great. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down if you want to. If you're not taking notes, here's what I want you to do. And that's, this is fine too. Just imagine a piece of paper in your head and a pen or a pencil or a marker or whatever your writing instrument of choice is. And I want you to write this down, even if it's in your mind, and just complete this sentence for me, okay? I've got a couple of them for you. Here's the first one. If they were really honest, so you're writing this down, right? If they were really honest, my coworkers would say that I represent fill in the blank. What would they say? If they were really honest, my coworkers would say that I represent what? Workaholism, ambition, laziness, a critical spirit, what would it be? What would my coworkers, be honest with yourself, what would my coworkers say that I represent? Here's another one for you. If they were really honest, if they were really honest, my friends would say that I represent what? 
What would your friends say that you represent? A love for money? A love for sports? A love for attention? You know, there are lots of things we could put in there. Here's one more. If they were really honest, my family would say that I represent what? What do I represent? A love for TV? A love for my hobbies? A love for social media? A love for my work? Hey, not all of those are necessarily bad things, but what would people think about when they say this is what they represent? This is who they are. This is their identity. This is what they're all about. This is what they're passionate about. And obviously, you know where this is going. How are we representing what Jesus says we are as God's light in this world? That is a tremendous responsibility. That is a heavy calling. We represent God's truth, his guidance, and his salvation in this world. Would the people around us recognize that and say, yes, they represent that well? Are you continuing in that ministry that Jesus was engaged in as his representative, as if he has passed on the baton of, hey, I'm the light of the world, now you're the light of the world. Keep doing what I was doing. Represent me well in your circles, in your spheres of influence, at work, at school, at home, at the store, everywhere you go. Represent me well. You are the light in this dark world. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, I don't even know how to do that. What are you even talking about? So let me give you a few examples here of just how we are the light in this world, how we represent this. When you teach biblical principles, when you teach from the Bible, truths that are in there, you represent God's truth in this world. Some of you do that in Kid Connection. Some of you do that in student ministry. Some of you do that in our groups ministry. Some of you do that in other contexts and other ministries in different ways. That is one way that you are the light and you represent God's truth in this world. Here's another one. When a friend asks you for advice and instead of just giving your opinion, you say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna share my thoughts with you, but let's go back to God's word and see what it has to say about this. And let's do some digging here and let's let that inform and, and push our opinions instead of just making this about my thoughts. When you do that, you are representing God's guidance in this world. You are being a light in this world, representing him well. When you reach out to your friends or coworkers or neighbors or different people that you know, when you engage with them, when you are willing to talk about spiritual things with them, when you're willing to be honest and real about the impact that Jesus has had on your life and just the fact that your life is is a life of faith, You are being the light of the world. You are representing God's salvation. When you share the impact that Jesus has had on your life, and just as a normal part of of who you are, it doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be, you know, beating anybody over the head with it. But the truth is, our lives, so much of it is just, every bit of it is impacted and infused with what we're learning from God and how we follow Jesus. And are we being open and transparent about that? when we talk with other people. Sometimes we try to avoid that, right? Sometimes we try to distance ourselves from that. But it's amazing what can happen when you decide, I am going to let my light shine in that way just by being honest. I'll give you an example. So not long ago, someone asked me, so why did you move to to St. Louis? 
and what was it that brought you here? And I don't think this person was a follower of Jesus, but my, my answer could have been, well, I got a new job. <laughs> my answer could have been, we really just love, you know, being here and this is a great place. You know, I could have just done the quick thing to kind of pass it off and okay, see you later, you know. But I said, you know, honestly, I think God brought us here. And it wasn't weird and it wasn't awkward. It was just, we talked a little bit about that and how I felt that God was leading our family to this point. We talked a little bit about spiritual things. And then we went back to our previous conversation. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be awkward. And and many times I I don't do it that way. So I'm not trying to put myself out there as this great shining example of doing this perfectly. But that's just one personal example of how we can be the light in everyday conversation because it's a part of who we are and represent God and his truth and his guidance and his salvation in this world. So here's truth number three. Light only fulfills its purpose when it is visible. And I know that's a shocker to you. Like, no duh, really? Thanks, Captain Obvious. Light only fulfills its purpose when it is visible. Here's what Jesus says in verse 14. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now, I want you to get an idea for where Jesus is when he says this because this is gonna help you understand this analogy a little bit better, okay? So Jesus is in a city called Capernaum. It's right by the Sea of Galilee and he is just outside of there talking to these people. We know that because in Matthew chapter eight, right after the Sermon on the Mount is over, it says he went back into Capernaum. So he's right outside of Capernaum. And this is what that place looks like. This is the current day ruins of Capernaum. Those of you who are going with us to Israel in a couple months, you're going to see this. You're going to get to walk around these ruins. Uh, There's a spot there where it's it's very strong evidence that this is Peter's house. And so you get to see Peter's house and there's a structure above it that you can walk in and look down and see what that looked like. Very good chance that Jesus actually spent time in that structure. There's also an old synagogue there. It's called the White Synagogue. It was made with these imported stones. It really stood out in the landscape there. Um, Very, very beautiful. This wasn't the synagogue that was around when Jesus walked there. It came from a couple hundred years after that. But the synagogue that Jesus would have walked in is underneath. The foundation is underneath this one. Beautiful, beautiful ruins, beautiful place. But what I want you to see then is this spot. It's a hillside right outside of Capernaum. This is probably, I'm almost certainly the place, somewhere on this hillside, where Jesus would have sat down, the disciples gathered around him, and the crowds gathered around to kind of overhear, and Jesus began to teach his disciples. And he said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And if I had to guess, I think that as Jesus said that, he pointed over at Hippos. Now, Hippos, you could see from that side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a closer shot that I took from a boat, uh, but from a distance even, you can see the silhouette of Hippos. And if it was starting to get dark at all, they would have started to see the light from Hippos. It would have looked something like this. So you have a city on a hill with some lights shining. And that was very intentional, by the way. You wanted your cities to be on a hill because you had the high ground. It was a good defensive position. And you wanted your enemies to see your city from a long ways off and see those lights blazing because the more light you created, the more people are there to defend that city. And you're showing them, hey, we're already here. This is our spot, our territory. Back off and we've got the high ground. It's gonna be really, really hard to take this city away. And so you put your city on a hill. You make it obvious. You make it visible. You get your lights going all over the place, especially at night. It's gonna be bright and everybody's gonna see that for miles around. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. 
And why does he say that? Look at the next word, next passage here. Verse 15. No one lights a lamp, he says, and then puts it under a basket. So he's going to continue to develop this thought. A city can't be hidden if it's on a hill. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, this is a little difficult for us to understand, okay, because we are spoiled. I mean, we are spoiled rotten. Do you realize how easy it is for us to just walk over and flip a switch and have light on? I mean, it's pretty amazing that we get to do that. And depending on your house, you may actually just walk in and tell Google or Alexa to turn on the lights. And it just sort of turns on for you. And it's awesome. And I love it. Right up until the power goes out. And then we go out of our minds trying to find flashlights, you know, to make sure that we have light. And suddenly we appreciate the light a whole lot more than we did before. See, back in the day, it wasn't that easy. Back in the day, in Jesus' day, you had to use something like this. This is a Herodian lamp from Israel. It's made out of clay and fired to make it hard. And this is a lamp that they, the type of lamp that they would have used back in Jesus' day to light the house. Most of your houses were one room dwellings or maybe they had one big room with sort of a grotto in the back where they might put animals or store things or kind of sort of a pantry type deal. And so they would have this one main room that they would do most of their living in And so that they could light that room, they would put a stand in the middle of the room, they would put a lamp like this, or maybe two, on top of that, and they would light it. They would take a wick like this, they'd pour some oil, usually olive oil, into this big opening, put a wick in there, let it soak up the oil, and once it had soaked up the oil, they could light it. And this would burn for about four or five hours and put off around 35, 40 lumens of light. Not a lot of light, but enough that if it's this or pure darkness, you can get your work done. You can do what you need to do in the house with a couple of these burning. And by the way, this wasn't so easy to just get started either because you couldn't just whip out your Zippo and you know, light the thing and boom, you got light. It didn't work that way. You had to go find a fire that was already burning or rub some sticks together or strike some rocks together that would create a spark. You had to have a, a source of spark and fire to light this thing. It was not as easy as flipping a switch or pushing a button or or giving a command to your virtual assistant and having your lights pop on. So who would go to all that trouble of putting that stuff together, lighting that, and then shoving a basket over top of it? Doesn't make any sense. That's a lot of work for something that's not going to fulfill its purpose at all. And yet, this is exactly what so many of us do with our light. See, the light is there, but then we stick a basket over it. We keep it bottled up. We feel embarrassed about it. We don't want to show people. Sometimes we go to great lengths so that people don't peg us as one of those Jesus followers. You know, we're careful because we don't want to reveal it to people sometimes. And we put a basket over our light. And remember what that light means. It means that we represent We demonstrate, we show God's truth, his guidance, and his salvation in this dark world. How will people observe that if we put a basket over our light? I don't know who the first person was to say this, so I can't credit it to anyone, but if following Jesus ever becomes a criminal offense in this country, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If we ever face that kind of persecution, could someone look at your life just as a casual 
observer and go, oh, they're definitely a follower of Jesus. They represent God and his truth and his guidance and his salvation. Now, it's worth pointing out that Jesus did not talk about extinguishing the light, just covering it up. He didn't say, make sure the light doesn't go out. He said, you are the light of the world. That's your identity if you're my follower. But who covers that up with a basket? You wouldn't want to do that. Even if you cover it up, the light is still there. It's just not seen by anyone. The identity of the light hasn't changed. The purpose of the light hasn't changed. But the usefulness of the light and its ability to accomplish its purpose is pretty much gone because the basket is over top of it. Light only fulfills its purpose when it is visible. And here's Jesus' point. He's gonna explain it right now. And I hope it's all gonna come together. Why we even had to go through some of these prefacing points. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. In the same way as the city on the hill, in the same way as the light that you put on a stand and not under a basket, let your light, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Now here's why it's so important what we talked about earlier. Jesus did not say that if you do good deeds, you are the light. Jesus did not say, I want you to do lots of light things. Jesus didn't say that I will love you and value you and your identity is wrapped up in the good things that you do. He started with, you are the light. If you're my follower, those of you sitting around here, my disciples that I'm teaching, you are the light of the world and you should do light things. Not so that you be the light, not so that you gain my favor, not so that I love you more, but because you are the light. That's your identity, that's who you are. Why would you cover that up? Why would you hide that? If Jesus has made a difference in your life, why wouldn't you want to show that to people? It's who you are, whether you put a basket over it or not. It is your identity. There's no reason to pretend. Now, let your good deeds shine out for everyone to see because of who you are. Not because it gets you anything, not because it wins you favor with God, not because that's how somehow you are saved or made right with him but as a result of your true identity. If you know this book well, you may have picked up on an apparent contradiction here. Because Jesus says something in the next chapter that seems at odds with what he just said in verse 16. In Matthew 6, 1, he says this, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly. Oh, come on. Jesus, didn't you just tell us that we're not supposed to put a basket over our light. We're supposed to do our good deeds so that everyone can see. Didn't you just tell us that? And now you're telling us don't do your good deeds publicly? What's going on here? I'm confused. There's a really important distinction between what happens in Matthew 5 and what happens in Matthew 6. So look at the context with me because one of these situations points to God and one of these situations points to ourselves. Matthew 6, 1. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. Hypocrites want you to see the good that they do and praise them. They want you to know about the good thing they did. They want it to be visible, not so that you can praise God, but so that you can praise them. 
Now, I don't know anyone that after they do something good, grabs the trumpet out of their car and starts to blow that, but I do know a few people that'll toot their own horn. And that's what hypocrites will do. And that's what I do sometimes, is I do something good and I want people to know about it, right? Because man, I feel good about that. And I want them to like me and be impressed with me. And so I do something good. And then I want to tell people, and Jesus says, hey, if you're doing this so that other people can see and praise you, then you've got your reward. That's it. That's all there is to it. Now, by contrast, look back at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. This is what Jesus says. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And here's those critical words. So that, so that, why are you doing this? So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You do your good deeds so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And here's truth number four. Light always points back to a light source. You can follow the wavelengths back to where the light is coming from. Light It's a perfect analogy for this. Always points back to a light source. Jesus doesn't want you to hide your light. It's your identity. It's your calling. It's who you are. It's who he made you to be. He doesn't want you to be an undercover Christian at work or at school or anywhere. But he also doesn't want you to pretend that the good that you do is is coming from him when really it's all about you. He doesn't want you to pretend And do lots of good things so that people will be impressed by you. And none of that light actually points back to the Father. That's not what he has called us to do. Where where if we were brutally honest with ourselves, some of the stuff we do that seems good is really more about us than it is about God. So what is our takeaway today? Well, don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't pretend to be something you're not. And this may hit you in some different ways depending on who you are and where you're at in life. So let me give you some examples here. Maybe you've been pretending to be a Christian. Maybe you've been pretending to have the light. Maybe you've learned the right things to say and the right things to do, but if someone got close enough to your life, they would not see someone who is a genuine committed follower of Jesus. They would see someone who's pretty much just like everybody else and doesn't actually trust in Jesus, but wants to be seen as someone who is a Christian. Maybe you're someone that does not have that relationship with Jesus, that relationship with God, where you've committed your life to him and you are seeking to follow him in what you do and how, and how you make decisions, trusting in him and reading his word and following after him and in community with other believers in Jesus Christ and everything that's involved in being a follower of Jesus. And maybe you just play the part. Maybe you just pretend so that everyone will think you are. If that is you, today is the day to commit to trust in Jesus Christ. You know this is real. You know the faith of the people around you. You've seen how it makes a difference in their lives and you've never been willing to take that step of faith and just say, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm gonna trust in him. Today is the day to trust in him and say, I am really gonna follow him. I'm really gonna do it. Not just on the externals, not just so people think I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm really in my heart, I am gonna trust in Jesus and I'm gonna confess my sins to him and I'm gonna ask him to save me and to guide me and lead me and he's gonna be my God and my guide and my salvation and my truth. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you haven't been acting like it. Your identity is as the light. 
but you've been putting a basket over it. Could be because you're embarrassed. Could be because you don't want people to know. Could be because you're trying to live a bit of a different life. And you're a follower of Jesus, but you're pretending to be something you're not. You need to let your light shine. You need to let people see the faith that you have in Jesus and the difference that it makes in your life. And I don't know what that means in your context, but if I had to guess, there are probably a lot of you who already have some pretty good ideas. If I had to guess, I would say that as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit, because this is just how he works, all right, this doesn't come from me, this is just how God works, has been prompting you and giving you thoughts of, yeah, he's talking about that, right? He's talking about those people, he's talking about that situation, he's talking about that conversation. I need to be more open and honest about my faith and let people see the light that is in me. It's there, I know it's there, but I have such a hard time showing it. And so I put that basket over it. Let your light shine. And I know, I know it may cost you some friendships. I know that there are some people that they they don't want to know that your life is being guided by Jesus, but it's worth it. And you never know, it may make the difference in that person trusting in Jesus down the road as well, because they see the difference that it makes in your life. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus who does a lot of good, but the motivation is all about you. So you're pretending that you're doing it for God, but really you want that to point back at you. And the message here is simple. You've gotta make sure that your motivation for the good that you do is not so that you get praise. This is why Jesus says to do things privately. If, you're, if doing it publicly for you means it's getting glory for you, then do it privately. And the people that will see your light shining are the people that you're directly serving and ministering to and doing good for. But there's no reason to go out there and try to make a big deal about it or make it public. Just go live your light out. Let it shine. Let it show. Don't hide it under a basket, but don't proclaim it or blow a trumpet or toot your own horn so that you will get the glory. Glory, the praise, needs to go to God. The light always needs to point back to the light source. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. You represent God's truth, God's guidance, and God's salvation in this world. What does that mean to you? To be the representative, that is a heavy responsibility. And light only fulfills its purpose when it is visible, but it needs to point back to the source, which is God so that he gets the praise and the glory. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, here's what I wanna tell you. After we close this service, which is about to happen, we're gonna have a prayer team up here, and I will be up here, and we would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus and to have that light inside of you, to be that light of the world, to have that identity. And if what I've communicated to you has kind of struck a chord and you realize that maybe I've been pretending or maybe I haven't even even been pretending but I do not have a relationship with Jesus and I know I need one. I know that he's the only way to be right with God. Then come up and talk with us and let us be your guide to show you God's salvation. We can be the light that represents him to you so then you can be a light for him to others. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Oh, Jesus, you, you are our light, you are our salvation, you are our guide, you are our truth. And you have passed that baton onto us, that ministry of being your light in this world. 
I pray that we would not take it for granted. I pray that you would remind us this week, this next year, of the incredible responsibility and privilege that it is to be your light in this world. That you have made us your representatives of truth and guidance and salvation and that you want us to let that light shine. So God, I pray that you would give us creative insight to know how best to do that. And maybe it's with our family today or tomorrow or the next day. Maybe it's with our coworkers when we go back to work. Maybe it's with our classmates when we go back to school. Maybe it's with people that we hang out with on a regular basis or our friends. But Lord, would you help us to take that basket off of the light, to let the light that is in us shine. It comes from you. It's really a reflection of who you are, the continuation. And so it points right back to you. Help us to do that. Help us to point people to you, Lord. Thank you for coming here, for bringing us the light of the world. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow night for our Christmas Eve service.